Hi everybody, it's Gerard from the Irish Voice here again um, with another edition of the Irish Voices podcast and I'm delighted to be joined by the Conrad Naguilga Irish Language and Development Officer Evan Downey. Evan, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Fine, be no problem, sir. So Evan, just to um, kick things off, just that like we ask everyone else, tell us a wee bit about your background, you're obviously back home, so where is home? Right, so um, I grew up in Dublin, in the suburbs of Dublin, a place called Lucan. It's about eight miles from the city centre, so County Dublin, um, which my friends from the city slag me off about. They say when you're come up and visit us in Dublin sometime. <laughs> um, uh, but um, so yes, yeah, so I was born. I was born in Sligo. Uh, my mum's from there. I lived a couple of years at Louth. My dad's from there, but brought up, went to school all the time in Dublin. So. Um, I lived here, went to college here, and um, so back in the in the sort of mid nineties, I went over to America. I was the people lucky enough, a lot as a lot of us, uh, to get a you know called the Morrison visas. So for green card for America is where, if you're from Ireland and you applied, basically everyone I knew that applied, we, we were able to get one. Um, <laughs> And this is, I'm so old, this is pre-Celtic Tiger, just before the Celtic Tiger. Basically, the Celtic Tiger kicked off the minute the wheels of the flight taking me to New York. <laughs> Basically, left the tarmac in Dublin, and I'm only slightly joking. Um, literally, within a few months, you know, you were hearing stories about things picking up and everything back home. So I was there for uh, sort of six years, Australia for a year. I was in London for a couple of years, and then... Ended up in, in Glasgow and there now 17 years. Well wow. going on, yeah. So just to take us back a wee bit, um in terms of uh family life and and things like that. So you have two brothers and a sister, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was Irish spoken in your household? Not much at all, no, no. Um same as Basically, everyone in uh, in the south, anyway. Obviously, we know that the the rules are different up north. But um, you know, Irish is so Irish, along with maths and English, were the three sort of core subjects that you had to do at school. Like basically, from from day one, there's some exemptions, but basically, from the first day till the last day. Um, so it's really weird, you know. It's it's and and, and Irish is. Is around you, but no, I was not, not, not so like, you know, with my mum being from, from Saigon, my dad from Louth, um, like there was no connection to any native speakers mm-hmm. or to anyone living in the Kailtot or, and funnily enough, one of the things and I read it now is I never went to the, you know, you know, you might hear you know, people in Ireland talking about when they were teenagers, you know, people going, going to the Gael Talks. So Gael Talks, obviously, the Irish-speaking regions, but when people say, oh, I went to the Gael Talks when I was a kid, sort of means there's three-week-long courses that uh, teenagers take during the summer. And, like, if you ever talk to anyone, normally people, say, even people who hate, hated Irish as a subject, like they had a brilliant time with the Gaeltag because it's basically like a summer camp. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be learning Irish, but I think you know it's sort of you know what a come to age sort of sort of thing. But um, but yeah, um, so yeah, my yeah, 
nearly all of my, I suppose, um, how I, my connection with Irish was like most people is as the subject in school. And I think that's a massive problem because I think that's how we, that's the lens through which so many people in Ireland, we, we you know, people, and people always say, you know, I would have said it, you know, we all hate Irish, but it's the subject because, you know, like by the time you're finishing school, you're, you're doing, you know, poetry and prose and, and novels like you are in English but you don't feel comfortable enough just having a chat like we're having now you know if you think about that it's it's sort of crazy and I think it sort of comes down to it's almost like to admit that that we can't you know read books and we can't um, you know discuss poetry in our own language is somehow some sort of failing, but instead of actually realizing, well, this is the reality and we let's like learn the language, like we learn uh, French or something like that. Not that I can speak French, but um, even though they did in school, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it, it, it turns people off, you know, and or it's just, it's, it's in a lot of ways it's counterproductive, but yeah. So, that, so yeah, so not, so not, uh, you know, tiny bits of Irish at home, same as most people, but really little to none. And and just to touch on that, was it something you were interested in school and you just didn't like the way it was taught or did you not really have much of an interest in it at school? Um, I remember, um, so like most people come out of, you know, would have been, you know, you all, everyone would have said, it would have been the sort of cool thing to say that was your least favourite subject. It's an awful thing to say, but that's <laughs> true. And I can see it now with my nieces and nephews as well, almost, um, despite my encouragement. Um, some of them, anyway. Um, well, in first year of uh, secondary school, I had this really brilliant teacher, incredibly um, enthusiastic guy. He, he took us away from a few trips, like down the country and you know, pretty sure like health and safety would definitely not allow you to do the sort of things that he was doing. Like I was like 25 of us with one teacher and doing walk beside cliffs and people almost falling off and ridiculous stuff. But he was so, he was a young fella and he was so enthusiastic and brilliant. And all, all of a sudden everyone was then enthusiastic about it because he made it fun. And then uh, he left, he actually went over to Bangladesh with concern, the, the aid agency. And um, so it's he was, I suppose. And then I swear to God, within a week of the second year with this uh, chain smoking Christian brother, old fashioned teacher, it, it was straight back to the, your least favorite subject again. It was, it was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, Kind of unbelievable how that changes so quickly. But uh, sorry, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. No, no, it does. It does. What, what would have been your, your interest in um, when you were younger? What sort of things did you like? Oh, for me, it was football or soccer, morning, noon, and night. Um, it's supposed to be different than now. Like, uh, like literally, the only games on TV live would be for us would have been the English FA Cup final we got. Uh, Ireland internationals and not all of them I remember listening to many an Irish international on the radio because the RT wouldn't pay the 50 quid for a rights or whatever <laughs> um, and that was that was about it maybe the odd FAI FAI game League of Ireland Cup final 
uh, the FAI Cup final. Oh, so I was playing, but just playing um, much more so than Gaelic football. It would have been interesting in watching Gaelic football like the dubs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going to the All Ireland final when I was a, a, a 10 year old and getting in for, yeah, I, we stood at the outside the turnstiles, and that was the last non all ticketed All Ireland final because I don't know how many tens of thousands of people did the same thing that we did, which basically asked a stranger to say, I'll oh, say I'm your son because you, you could carry your son over the turnstiles. Yeah. And I was a really, I was a really shy kid. So I only did that when I was left with all my friends inside and I was outside. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, so it was a, definitely an interesting game of football. I would have played it in school, but it was really, soccer was a big thing. And then later on as a teenager, like yeah, books and massive into music. Indie guitar music, the Smiths and R.E.M. and all that was my, uh, that was the, that was the, the main thing for me, yeah. yeah. So you spoke just um, previously about the different places that, that you'd been to before you ended up in Scotland. What took you to those places? Was it your academic career or was it work or enjoyment? Well, you, no, it was, uh, so America was, so I had the visa and, um, I was finished my degree, I did a degree in engineering and I mean, I got my degree, but I didn't do brilliantly. And like I say, pre-Celtic Tiger, uh, you know, all talks aside, if you didn't do really well or pretty well, then your chances of getting a job in Ireland were uh, were, 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 were slim. Um, and then also, you know, so a lot of people, if people did well but couldn't get a job, maybe they might do a, a you know a postgrad. So that wasn't out for me. So, um, so that was it, I suppose. And when I first went over, it just shows you the ridiculousness of me, anyway, as a as a twenty one year old. Um, I remember I had a, a return flight up for five months. So that was the longest period at that time to get it for that price. And I was certain, it was actually the first thing I said to the people that were putting me up when I went over there, oh, I'll be back, I'll be heading back on that. And it was like, I was there for, that was five months and I was there for six years. So, you know, I was working as a waiter for the first year and a half and then finally got a job in, in computers through a friend of a friend. And so, um, they think I went to Australia for a year, was that one of a year visa? That was for the crack. Um, uh, and then I came back to, to Ireland. My dad was, or sorry, I came back to London with the job because I was, my dad wasn't well. So basically I came back to London to be closer to him. And I was like flying over to Dublin every weekend uh, at the time. Uh, and then um, my job got moved up to Glasgow. And that's how I ended up in Glasgow. So the job I had in London, working for computers for a bank and, uh, you know, sort of in, in the background, the scruffy guys in the background, so they don't need to be in London. And uh, so I think that's a, actually a, the IT sort of job market in Glasgow has been sort of booming for the last 10 or 15 years on, or 20 years, maybe on the basis of that, like jobs getting moved out. Like I said, recently, you know, everyone always talks about jobs getting moved over to maybe India or somewhere like that. Well, in the in the in this bank, they call those tertiary sites. London maybe a primary site, New York, but Glasgow was a secondary site. So those, so I was working for yeah. So that's that's how I came to be in 
in Glasgow. I was basically doing the same job, but it just got moved. And I've never really in love with London. And at the same time, my three best mates in London were also moving out. So I would have to get a new job, a new flat in London. And I just wasn't in love with London enough to, to want to do that. So I thought I'd give Glasgow a go for six months. And here I am, 17 years later, yeah. When you were in the, the different places, this is, you know, before you got to Glasgow and the different yeah. places that you worked, did you always kind of seek out the Irish community or did you try and kind of go alone sort of thing? Um, yeah, that's, a, that's a, I think that's a very interesting thing because in, and I'm sure every, you know, any, you know every, anyone you talk to in those places, for most of us anyway, I'd say, Thing about it is, is being Irish is such a part of your identity, you know, like in your job. Oh, you know, you know, you're the Irish guy. And if something relating to Ireland happens, someone who maybe even barely knows in the office, you know, when I was in America, someone come up to me and go, oh, I saw Riverdance last night. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, and they're, I suppose they're expecting a bigger, you know, reaction because like I'm the Irish guy. So, um, so yeah, so definitely my mates, most of my mates were Irish or, or, or English. Um, probably spent too much time uh, going to Irish bars, uh, but not, not exclusively, I'll say. Um, uh, but, and I, I remember when I lived in New York, I did, I did myself and my, my mate who, uh, from Dublin, not a guy from Dublin who was flatmates with, uh, we went to Irish classes. Um, it didn't last for too long because the teacher had a heart attack, not in the class, but she uh, didn't die or anything like that, but <laughs> the class got got, got, got cancelled. Um, but that was it, because that was it, was in the back of my mind, because even though like I didn't like the subject in school, as I was talking about earlier on, it was, even as, even leaving school and you know, not liking the subject, it still was in my mind even back then when I was 17, like that, like, uh, I, sh- you know, uh, I, you know, I, I, I should, I should, should know it, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah, I, I, I wasn't in, I wasn't, uh, wasn't playing GAA or anything like that, so would I, so not, so there was a, big part of my social life, I suppose, in my friendship group was Irish, but without uh, sort of organised things like, you know, going to music sessions maybe, or um, GAA, or, or or things like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was sort of, and then not not really at all in, in London. Uh, down, like I was down in the London Irish Centre, the Camden London Irish Centre, for the first time about ten years ago since I moved to Glasgow, and I lived only about twenty minutes away from it. I don't think I knew it was there to be honest. Which when I lived in London, it's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was only when I came to Glasgow that I got back into that sort of stuff, you know. What was, what was the appeal of Glasgow then? Just that it wasn't London or was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a, I think it's a, my life. I've been, 
drifting from place to place rather than making real conscious decisions. Um, it, it was, my job was moving there. And I just thought um, at the time it was sort of paying decent money. And I just thought, you know, I suppose I didn't have a, a partner or kids or anything. So um, I thought I'll go up there for six months. I thought the, the contract I was on would probably last, last that long. And um, if I like it, then great. And if I don't, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll head back. To, I'll head back to Dublin. And interestingly enough, like the the move of our team up to Glasgow was was supposed to happen, and I got put back a year. So it's sort of time to get my head around the idea. Mm-hmm. And it's funny enough that anyone in London that you talk to and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be going up to Glasgow, like, <laughs> a lot of them be going, oh, man, geez, that's terrible. But anyone who had been to Glasgow predicted they'd been there for, you know, a number of times or they had been there for a while was always, was always saying, oh, you love it. So I remember that. I remember before I came up, I was, I was hopeful that I was going to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that was worrying me was there was a a guy from Hamilton in the office and uh, I got talking to him because we were playing a five-a-side tournament and he was wearing a Donegal jersey um, <laughs> but I, I didn't realise at the time how not unusual that is um, um, but I, I no joke he, when he used to come to the come by my desk and have a chat with me I had to really concentrate to uh, to know what he was saying. And the other guy in my team the, who came up, the two of us came up to Glasgow, he was he's originally from India. He hadn't a clue what your man was saying. So he was really thinking, oh, how am I going to get on, on here? Uh, me a little bit. I, I swear I never actually, uh, I don't think I've ever met anyone that was as difficult to understand as your man that was living in London for five years. So I don't know. I don't think it was just a personal thing with him. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so it's just, I suppose like, so it's not really that I didn't suppose I didn't pick Glasgow, but I suppose I picked to stay okay. here. It's, it's yeah. the thing that I'd say, you know? Yeah. So that's probably a bit of meeting the bones of, of your kind of travels and things like that. How did you end up as the Irish language and development officer? So, um, so I was working with, so like I say, I came up here working in the bank and um, I was, so I was, you know, still in the back of my mind about getting back, I suppose, into, into, into Irish. And I remember I still had the wee book that, that I bought when we were, myself and my mate were doing the classes in, in New York. And I started, um, reading that every day on my on the bus to and from work and it was the book was really handy for that because it was like real bite-sized little chunks and um, you know it was really and then I remember thinking right next summer I'm gonna go over to Ireland and do a week-long course and uh, I was supposed to go away but be made for a for a for a weekend and then his his partner put the kibosh on that I don't know I can't remember why but basically I was left with a, a weekend where I really wanted to go away and take a break from work and I happened to 
I was looking into sort of like a an, an Irish language week a week long course the following summer, and it turned out to be that weekend that I now was free, and it was the end of end of October bank holiday in Ireland. There was a short course, a weekend course in this place that I was due to go to the following su- uh, summer, so I went there and um, first time probably had been in the country in Ireland, like outside of Dublin really for a long time because I was you know. My holidays when I'd come back from from America, you didn't get that long. It really just be with my family, really in, in Dublin and mates. So uh, I remember uh, driving up there, got a hire car, which was unusual in the south itself for me, um, and driving the dark roads into the back beyond in Donegal, thinking, "What the bloody hell am I doing here?" I could, am I going? Well, I had no idea what I was going into. I thought, "Will I be sitting in a, in the corner?" Of a room with six people in it who are all fluent and they're chatting away and I'm like in the corner with Dunce's uh, cap on and um, got in there and there was like over a hundred people, people from all over Ireland, England and people like from Canada and like within like an, an hour I was sitting in front of a turf fire, supping on a, a lovely point of Guinness and chatting away in very sort of basic Irish and that honestly that weekend sort of changed my life at that that so then from there going to the classes in Cunna Gaelic going back over to Ireland to, to uh courses um as three or three or four times a year and and just really learning and just getting right back into it and then I think maybe a couple of years later it is um the job came up the guy who was who was doing the job left and I was sort of I was a bit disillusioned with the job in IT um, and looking for something else to do and looking for something probably fairly different. So um, when this came up, I have to say it was sort of it was like a bit of a, a sort of a dream opportunity, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I never would have really thought of it before, actually. Well, I, it was in the back of my mind. I was saying, geez, I'd like that guy's job. Um, but uh, in the end, yeah, so that's that, that was it. That, that 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 was that was it, I suppose. Um, so Donegal plays its part again. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, despite all the Donegal people being against those stubs, I'm very fond of Donegal because <laughs> I, I I still go to that place for Irish language courses. I go there, go to Donegal every summer still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Evan, what did, what did you know about the kind of history of the Irish language within Scotland itself? Was that something that was kind of new to you? Because obviously it's got quite a rich yeah. history, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so the first branch of Cunnan Gaelic, so so pretty much I suppose this doesn't know. So Cunnan Gaelic are known as the Gaelic League in English, um, was the organisations so are formed in 1893 during that the Gaelic revival in Ireland where uh, so it was Douglas Tide later pre- first president of Ireland he was like the, the sort of main guy or something one of the main people behind the formation of it um, so about reviving the Irish language because obviously it's, you know after the famine you know if you, if you, you can Google within 30 seconds on Google you can see the maps of percentage of Irish speakers in Ireland up until 1840, you know, in the census. And then afterwards, just ma- massive drop, but still like a huge percentage. So it was looking to revive, I suppose, 
uh, Irish language is part of that whole thing. You have the Abbey Theatre and everything's alongside it, and Irish literature in English as well. But um, so the so the first branch outside of Ireland of the Gaelic League was formed in two years later in eighteen ninety five. So, you know that, and at one point there was like more than twenty branches throughout Scotland, Motherwell, like loads around Glasgow, Motherwell over in Dundee. Uh, Edinburgh but I know I would have been um, I would have been yeah I think I would have been completely ignorant of that and and even which I'm not I suppose I'm not that surprised about I suppose but I would have been even fairly ignorant of even you know links with with the Scottish Gales you know with Gaelic Scottish Gaelic as well Um, because those do go those do go back right to those early days and uh, you know I've met older guys from Donegal who would have gone to sort of Scottish Gaelic Cayleys in the 50s and the Scottish Gaels would have come to the Irish Cayleys because you know they were able to they were able to chat you know as native speakers maybe mm-hmm. um, but no no I wouldn't I wouldn't have been I would have been very ignorant of it um, I think it was you know a vague idea of the of the the big link with Donegal and Glasgow, mm-hmm. um, but not even not even that well, you know. Mm-hmm. You you've had some experience of of Scottish Gaelic as well, haven't you? You've um, yep. you've done some courses and that. How just for people that don't know, just how similar are the two languages? I'd say very similar. So um, I get complaints from linguists. <laughs> <laughs> who are listening, but basically, as I understand it, sort of both modern Scottish Gaelic and modern Irish both have derived from Middle Irish, so I think sort of Irish as would have been spoken and written in maybe the 13th, 14th, 15th century, or something like that. Now, I think there's some recent disputes or recent research suggesting that Gaelic maybe developed separately, but they're very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, the in the you know in the age of the the Gaelic lords of in in Ulster and um, but also in the islands, you know the you know the way that that, that system where they would have had uh, patronised bards, you know, um, poets writing. I suppose most of the time probably writing poems to praise the chief. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding is, and I'm fairly certain of this, is that that official language. You know, was the same in Ireland and Scotland. You, 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 you know, you couldn't tell mm-hmm. from the language whether it was written by a bard in in Ireland or in Scotland. You know, as as late as like sixteen hundreds. But then that you know, the flight of the earls and the the end of you know the the, the Gaelic uh, the Gaelic chiefs and that in in, in Ireland. I suppose they'd already been weakened in Scotland, but that that was sort of the end of that I suppose I don't know this for a fact but I guess you know that was the official language but I'm sure like the language of the people in the same way that the dialect in the way people speak maybe down in Kerry is a bit different from yeah. from from Donegal you know some people talk of a continuum from Kerry up to Donegal across to the and Ulster across to the Isle of Man because there's Gaelic there as well and then up to Scotland, that it's all part of one sort of continuum. So they're very, I would say they're very similar. 
Um, it's interesting, like we have we have people who have Gaelic who come to our classes, and uh, yeah, and like you say, I've I've been learning Gaelic, and um, it, it, I think it depends. It can be a ma- I I see it as a massive uh, a massive plus, massive advantage. Because normally, if I don't know the word in Gaelic, I throw in the word in Irish, and it's either close enough or it is the same word in Gaelic, mm-hmm. um, so that I'm understood. Uh, but I, some people find it hard. I think people who who want to be absolutely one hundred percent precise that they find the fact that it's close to be a hindrance because. Whereas I'd be sort of like if a phrase in Irish is basically the same as the phrase in in Gaelic, I guess maybe I'm not. My heart doesn't break if I sort of pronounce it the Irish way mm-hmm. or somewhere even between the two, because I know I'll be understood. Um, and in any other language, we're used to that. You know, you don't you don't speak to a French person, and if they say they speak English with a French accent, you're not like, oh, no, sorry. If you, if you don't speak it like a Glaswegian or at best someone from Liverpool or London, I'm not going to talk to you. You know, we're not, you know, we're not, we're not prescriptive about that. Whereas it's interesting with minority languages. It's very interesting how we, how we uh, view the sort of, I don't know, the, is it the purity of it that, you know, you, 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 yeah. you have to speak it like this way. Mm-hmm. You have to speak it like a guy from, the hills of Donegal or the islands of Scotland or whereas uh, yeah so that, that that's um, so for me it's a it's a massive advantage but I have heard people and if you're reading it if you learn it I think an Irish someone who's certainly a native speaker of Irish would even a little bit like after a week of study after I did a week long course in 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 uh, in, in Selmarostic and the Isle of Sky, uh, another group of it was a course specifically for Irish speakers, and uh, I'm certainly not a native speaker and like it. Obviously, as we talked about, but you know, after a week, I felt that I could, you know, chat away. Definitely, loads of mistakes and everything, but chat away with people, uh, communicate with people in 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 Gaelic. So that so they're they're that close, um, different, but. But, but very close now. Just in terms of your your job, what's what's an average day like for you? Uh, I suppose what I'd probably say about the job is this: there's probably not an average day because it's very it's it's very varied. Um, and also, I guess probably at the moment, it's uh, I'd say with with COVID, it's less it's less varied. You know, it's hard to sort of think of of. Uh, pre-COVID times, it seems like a long time ago. Um, so it was a, a big part of the job. Um, the, the job was various points, I suppose. So the running of, of courses and our weekly classes, that's a big part. So I teach um, two classes, uh, two night classes uh, a week and sort of help out maybe with the admin and setup of, of the other classes. Um, we haven't been running them now with COVID, but we'd have a, a monthly or sometimes more frequently uh, the Emerald Lunch Club for, uh, you know, aimed at the, particularly the elderly, you know, we get a grant from the Irish government, the elderly within the Irish community sort of set up and the running of those. 
um, they're they're probably they're two of the biggest things. And then setting up of of various events and things. Obviously, it's Glasgow St Patrick's Festival. Um, do a lot of work for that, and then our own Cunningham Gaelic events like our summer fail in the way like a, and we had started to do something for winter pre-covid a sort of fail in the give you winter festival uh our summer camp we have a kids class um so all all sorts of things and obviously then sometimes you know meeting with the uh probably on a on an ad hoc basis sometimes with you know different people from local and regional authorities, you know, sometimes with the Scottish government, you know, wider Irish community basis, you know, and maybe things that relate to the wider Irish community, because I think I'm very aware of that, that um, the job isn't, Cunningham Gaelic in Ireland is just about the Irish language, really, whereas, you know, Cunningham Gaelic, I suppose the organisation is, is obviously it's about the Irish language in Scotland, but you see with the job a wider sort of community aspect to it as as well like obviously the Irish language is is is, is the cornerstone and the key of it but there's a sort of a wider a wider remit that goes on um just in terms of you know the challenges that you've you face in your job you know leaving aside um Leaving aside COVID, which <laughs> we don't want to speak yeah, yeah. too much about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good man. Yeah. Leaving aside that, um, what have been some of the most challenging things about the post? Um, I suppose one of the things is is actually sort of getting people to sort of get involved and to come along to events and classes because I think there's a lot of uh, and you know surveys show this in Ireland as well there's a lot of goodwill towards the Irish language I think with people but the step to then actually someone to you know take their time to you know come along to even a, a day workshop or weekly classes or um even come along to events because they, I think some people think that they'll sort of, oh, well, I can't speak or so be sort of um, excluded in some ways. Um, that that's a that's a that that's a thing I find uh, difficult. I think it's probably true for probably any organisation. You know, GA clubs over here are. Celtus or whoever. Um, also, I mean, obviously, some of them are doing brilliantly in terms of how many people are coming along, but it's always, um, it's always, it's it's a challenge to to keep that to keep that role keep people involved um, and engage with the thing. I'd say that that's uh, that's definitely one of the one of the hardest things, and I think also. This has come up, you know, getting um, with, I say, sort of St. Patrick's Festival hat on. The biggest problem we've had there is getting any sort of support from from local authority or anything like that. Um, to the point where we just sort of 
play on regardless, I suppose. Um, but that, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that there. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there is a reluctance from local authority to support um, a kind of major Irish event that's celebrated all over the world? Uh, I think it's very... So what I would say is, and I've said this to people in in local authority, Glasgow and in the Scottish government, is I don't think there's like this big, even a small group, you know, of, of anti-Irish people involved. But I just think that they... Uh, they see it as they know that there is those people in in society and it's sort of like they'll get hassle almost like it, it's more of a it's easier to sort of you know to it's it's easier for them to not get involved with it almost like so not that they have maybe they mightn't have that i don't think i've come across anyone who I thought, oh, well, they're, you know, sort of actively anti-Irish, but that's, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, and they'll always say that to you, you know, how, oh, yeah, I might, I go to Celtic or whatever it is, yeah. but it's, it's, it's just, um, it's like different to other, you know, ethnic groups, I suppose, in Scotland, it's seen as sort of, problematic or or a hot potato or just controversial in in some way or it's very um do you know what i mean i don't know if you've come across that and yeah i mean i think pretty much a lot of irish community groups would, would feel you know exactly the same and it's just uh we really need to find a way to change that mindset because it's outdated. I think I don't know. I don't know what you think. You know, we need to yeah. Can I come together? Yeah, so, I think and try and change it. Well, there's 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 some 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 stuff that happened in the in in just in the past year that hopefully is is uh, you know along with other Irish groups we had a meeting there with the Scottish government and there's this new um, parliamentary group. That started, and I'm not claiming that. But I think that's. I'm not expecting huge moves forward, but I think it's 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 uh, it, it's it's some steps forward because it's just it's a really um, it's a really strange thing, and I think one of the things when we, you know is that, and I think there's, there's some great people within the Glasgow Irish community in terms of. Um, articulating this to uh to you know the different you know sort of local and, and national authorities is is the sort of um what's the word hypocrisy or um uh just the the fact that you know there's you know so much talk about you know a multicultural scotland but that seems to stop mm-hmm. when it comes to when it comes to sort of the Irish community, I mean, we could probably, <laughs> I'm sure you've talked to many a person about this. I mean, there's, there's a whole, and I, I think that's something that, that is, is what's, what I would say about that is the, the only sort of insight I could give on that 
I think it's probably more than like most people, it's just from a personal point of view. What I what I think come to realize um is the difference that it is for me as a person born and brought up in in Ireland. I think I'm I think a big part of it is our is that I, I'm accepted as Irish, like no question, and, and people probably be positive towards me because of that. But for people who are who are born in Scotland, and so that's that's as you know well, that's the uh, that's the and and I don't think people, I don't think, uh, and I think that's the, thing, the other thing is that people don't. People in authority don't realize they think, oh, we, you know, we're the Scottish government have a brilliant relationship with the Irish government and with the consulate and everything. And they think, oh, well, we're really pro friendly with, but they're sort of friendly with Ireland as a, and, but don't realize how they don't have, they, they don't, they're not recognizing the Irish people within. The Irish community or people within Scotland, and that's so much like the Irish born people in Scotland is is, is only as I don't know, be interesting to know. I thought it's only probably like I meant it's probably 10% of that community, less maybe. Um, so that that's yeah, that's 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 a, that's a side of it that's uh, that and it, it took me a while to um, to sort of really sort of realize that. Um, and so actually, being honest, which I think was talking to people, the likes of yourself, and any other people like that, that really sort of brought it home to me. That's what the other thing I want to say, uh, and this isn't to my credit, but it, you know, so I've lived for, away from home now for longer than I lived, you know, in, in Ireland. Um, so I was in the nineties. I was in uh, America, and then then later on in Australia, and then then London. Um, and obviously, you know, there's that stereotype of the, of the uh, Irish Americans saying, oh, my grandpappy, my great grandpappy's from County Cork and uh, or Cork County. Um, and, you know, you hear a lot of guff and definitely got that. You know, I remember one guy going on about the British Army on the streets and I was saying, yeah, you know, well, I'm not on, I'm, not, not on, I'm from Dublin. Yeah, and he was like, "Oh yeah," and I said, "Well, you know, like this is north and south," and you just tell he was like, "No, that was that was to him sort of thing." So I was, so I think, and I think that's the thing in Ireland is that people can be a bit. Uh, uh, that's probably the, the the biggest part of the Irish diaspora that we know about or we hear about. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until I read, it wasn't until I came to, and this is terrible now in a way, but this is the truth. It wasn't until I came to Glasgow that I properly, I was changing my mind probably because I remember going to the World Cup in Japan, South Korea, meeting like loads of lads from, actually from 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 England, particularly London. Um, but it was coming to Glasgow that I really, the penny dropped for me in, and I'm very vocal about this to... And now to my friends in Ireland and friends and family in Ireland of how truly Irish people who are born and brought up here and might be fourth generation mm-hmm. Irish are um, 
And that's, and I'm not claiming, I'm not patting myself on the back for that because that's, you know, that's a long while it took me for the penny to drop. But it's, it, it, uh, so in that sense, like, I, I sort of get where, I get the why, I, I sort of get that people here maybe think, oh no, you're, you're born here, so you, you can't, you know, Scottish, you know, maybe Scottish people think, well, you're born here, you can't, you can't be Irish, but like, because I probably had a little bit of that, but, you know, that's, yeah. it's, it's, I've, I've seen how wrong that is, basically, I suppose is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um I probably shouldn't have admitted that, but that's no, that's the <laughs> it's the truth. But I know I think it, but I also think it's it's it also the big reason for that is I think the the level of you know that Egypt in a in a shop in America was in Egypt and didn't was saying he was he was Irish American but really knew nothing about Ireland, mm-hmm. whereas he just you know. The sort of people in 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 Scotland who are so involved in uh, it, you know know so much better. Like even people, even if you're not involved in the GAA or Celtic or Irish dancing or whatever, and that's a huge amount of people are interested in Irish history. Huge amount of people are, you know, so many people have been to Ireland so often and they're really close with their family in Ireland, even if they're not involved in you know Irish culture per se, you know or uh, in an organization it's just the 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 link it's 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 um and i think it's i think it's a thing that that um that i think i don't think i don't think i think that like i said make a point of talking about that with people uh, at home because uh, it's not always recognised. Um, there definitely are a lot of people who recognise that because you know they, but it wasn't something that maybe uh, it took me a while to cop onto. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's the thing you notice about the Irish community is it's really kind of diverse and varied, and it could do we get a wee bit more recognition from uh, from the Scottish government certainly, but. Um, on the flip side of the kind of challenges that you, you you faced in the role, what have been some of the successes since you've been there? Well, I think the the Emerald Lunch Club is probably one of the things I enjoy the most, because um, uh, it's just brilliant crack. Um, with I mean, it's funny enough, it's uh, it's sometimes I mean it's literally a hundred percent. Uh, the uh, I have to be very careful about my language here, Terry. Uh, the um, um, mature ladies was that the uh, senior? <laughs> I don't, I can't say senior. That's not allowed. Um, people are a bit older than me, but um, it's it's just such a brilliant sort of crack, and there's such always a brilliant atmosphere at it. Um, that. That is 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 a big thing. Um, the the classes I love uh, teaching the classes. Um, that's really a thing that that uh, I like. And the the involvement in the Glasgow St Patrick's Festival 
get a lot out of that. I mean, obviously, that was building on um, work that the likes of Pat Nine and McAleer, they really kicked it off mm-hmm. and kept it going. And then the likes of myself and at the time, Danny Vohill and Paddy Callan and others um, have, have, have taken it on. Um, you know, that's a that's a, that's a big thing when we when we get to to put on, you know, the Bears family day and have maybe ten thousand people coming through mm-hmm. the Merchant Squares, you know, um, celebrating their Irishness. You know, definitely a lot of older people run up to me and say, you know, this, you know, when they were younger, fifty years ago, you just wouldn't couldn't have imagined that sort of thing, which is funny in a way, because in, in other ways, the Irish community was was bigger and there was more going on in some ways, mm-hmm. but probably not just sort of within the community, whereas maybe now things like that are a bit sort of maybe doing a few more high profile things maybe. So that's that's probably, they're the things that's probably, yeah, I'd say happiest about. Yeah. Um, just in terms of that, you've, you've touched on that there, that you're involved with the St. Patrick's Festival Committee, but I've also noticed you across the pitch on a few occasions for Tyrconnel Harps uh, GA team, and you're also involved with uh, Celtic Music Radio, so you've got your kind of finger in different pies within the Irish community. How, how much do you enjoy each of those? Well, I'm, uh, I've even been retired from my water carrying role in Tyrconnel, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like I was saying, I didn't really play uh, Gaz, we'd say, um, much, uh, not for a club, not for my local club, like in school a bit, but not for my local club. Um, and then I've always wanted to sort of take it up, but I always presumed that anyone who's into it enough to play in, in London, as it was, or in, as it was, or in Glasgow, would be really good. And I just would be wouldn't be up for it. So I remember it, was, it must be, maybe it's 10 years ago now, but uh, Tyr Connell started up a junior side. And I can't remember who I was talking to. So someone who was at the classes, it might have been, uh, I don't know, Rarity, I heard, heard about it. And I said, right, I'll give it a go. And uh, I was playing for a couple of years, not very successfully. <laughs> I was past retirement date. I was probably old enough to be the dad of one or two of the players. But um <laughs> Uh, but still not the oldest. Um, shout out to Paul Malloy, the uh, the warrior. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoyed that. And then there was a, a year where I was um, a year or two where I was helping out um, Adrian Diver, uh, the, who was managing. So just, I mean, literally, when I say water carrier, I'm not playing down my role. Water carrier and stats. <laughs> he was about. The, the, the height of it on match day um, but yeah so that was that was brilliant um, yeah the last couple of years just, I suppose just, uh, not to, well that hasn't been happening for, for me but it sounds like the club are going from, from strength to strength which is brilliant um, yeah definitely enjoyed the radio show on, on, on Celtic Music Radio again so that sort of came through the posts of the job because the guy before me in the job um, column, he had uh, he had he had the show on, so he sort of like inherited it from uh, from him, um, and like we would have been subletting a, a, an office from 
from Celtic Music Radio for a number of years as well. So sort of fairly closely uh, involved with them. And then I suppose the other thing I do is, is, is break your heart every month by being late with my Irish voice <laughs> column. <laughs> but I gloss over that. This is no. public, Jerry. So you can't. <laughs> you're always very nice to me, but you, you can't choose now to break me, even though you would be well within your rights to do. No, just just touching on that. Do you, do you think that has been? Um, do you think it's been beneficial to have have the column, the Irish Voice? Do you think the Irish Voice in itself is is beneficial for the community uh, as well, sort of thing, in a, in a wider sense? Yeah, it's very it's very difficult to talk to you about this, seeing as it to not, and not seem like I'm blowing smoke. Um, <laughs> also, obviously, as well as that, as as Irish people uh, taken or given compliments probably are. It's, it's like anathema to us. Like it sounds like we have notions. Um, the one thing we can never have. Um, I think it's been amazing. So often you hear people talking about, you know, what they, you know, what they read this and that in the in 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 the voice. It's um, I think it's been massive. Um, and I hope that you guys have felt that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 sort of um, it's sort of mad to think that it that it wasn't there before. I suppose, you know, it was the there was the Irish paper. There still are the Irish papers, but they just uh, as I as I saw it, I remember, I remember being talking to them, and it was um, it, it was just sort of Scotland was. It just, it, 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 I think there had been, it had maybe been a, a link in Scotland, but that had sort of fallen away. Mm-hmm. So they just weren't really catering for Scotland. So it was that, that, I suppose that's that's what you guys saw, right? There was mm-hmm. this, there was this gap. So um, I think it's been, it's, it's been brilliant. So they've done an amazing job. And I definitely, yeah, to have, have people come up to me and saying, yeah. Either they liked what I said, or why were we saying that, or having it too much of that. And I don't remember what did I say. <laughs> oh, just from our perspective, um, my perspective is especially because I'm, I'm a linguist. Uh, languages is what I've done at university and things like that. Um, it was massively important to have um, an Irish language column and, and more. I've, I've now tried to get my, my friend yeah, yeah. Kleena to, to do wee kind of short lessons because she's a uh, an Irish language teacher. It, uh, do you think that kind of relates back to, you know, I can't speak Irish yet, and I say yet because I, I do plan and mm. uh, learn it at some point soon. Um, but people have, you know, it's, it's a massive part of their identity, the language, you know, that their Irish identity. Is that something you feel? Yeah, like I say, uh, like I said earlier on, like I, I think that the 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 what's the word the people's sentiment towards the language is, is massive you know uh, I think that's true I think it's true in in Ireland as a whole but probably like maybe even more so in Glasgow because I mean so many of the people here are from you know you know as we all know, like Donegal stock, and so many of them from the Donegal Gale talk are places that were near the Gale talk, or you know, so so many people here are one generation 
or two generations away away from a native speaker. Um, it's kind of heartbreaking that you know that's so often that's at last. But it's I mean I think it's understandable. I wouldn't, wouldn't criticize someone for that. But it's it is sort of heartbreaking, you know, and and people know that themselves. And it's interesting how many people come back to the classes maybe as their as their parents or maybe grandparents get older and they realize they want to want to be able to chat and I totally get that. Um, uh, but yeah. I think it is. I think people really see it as 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 and obviously then when people go over, so many people go over to to Donegal on their holidays and obviously you know the languages, even if they're amongst people who don't speak it, the languages particularly somewhere in Donegal, but if you go to Gidor, you know, it's, 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 it's everywhere. It's, it's, that's the thing. It's, 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 that's the challenge I think is trying to, that's the challenge I think for the Irish language in general and the challenge for, for me and Conan Gaelic probably everywhere is to um, turn that sentiment into, into, into something stronger, you know, for people to get, involved mm. um i think you know the other thing about social irish is a certain amount of, there's there's you know we we were talking about more there's like a, a stigma around it. i think a lot of people i from talking to people you know when they came over here that was sort of they didn't want to pass it on because it was sort of associated maybe with poverty or with you know obviously there was that maybe anti-Irish feeling that they wanted to solve ones. Some people were not looking to emphasize, I suppose, their 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 uh, outside, you know, outside, yeah. their otherness. But also the other part about it is, is I suppose kids were going to school in English and to to have your kids be bilingual if they're going to if they're going to school in a different in, in 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 a majority language, that's a tough that's a tough task for anyone and people are busy and everything like that. So if any parent could imagine listening to this saying, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and take on that extra big, big job for myself. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think the, 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 the connection with the Irish language in Glasgow is, is huge. It's huge. And, um, and I, I, what I would say is I think people maybe so many people, like I say, I say, we're thinking about doing classes, and I think the the thing about it is, is, it, and I think most people, if you're learning anything, you know, it's about communicating in Irish and a steps and step by step. You know, it's not about. Don't expect and in a month you'll be chatting away to your cousin and don't you go all in, in Irish. But if you can say a few things and then the next time is a few more and more and more and more. Um, but it's 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 a it's a it takes a obviously it takes time and effort. But it's like people go to play like any Irish dancer or brilliant musician, you know, they they didn't start off by doing the hardest dance or you know, you learn your simple tunes. So that's maybe your first bit of Kitimaratatu and what's your name and things like that, bit by bit. So so anyone who's listening, give it a go, I suppose, is the main thing, you know. That's the 
that's and the thing is now with you know stuff on the internet and all that, Duolingo, the app, and it, you know TG Car, and you can get Radio Nogale to down other radio stations. So it's uh, the opportunities now are just it's incredible, really compared to even ten years ago. Yeah, I mean that. I'm somewhat of an oddity in, in that regard in terms of, uh, you know, my mum's side of the family came from near near to another Gilltalk in, in Meath, uh, just a small one, obviously. Oh, near, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite near Kells. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A wee bit unusual, but uh, I remember going there when I was younger and, uh, you know, finding people talking in Irish and I didn't I didn't yeah. think it was quite prevalent there. Like I thought it was just Donegal and like that, but there you go. It was yeah. a wee bit of a, uh, an oddity. I cycled through there last year and was delighted to, when I stopped. I, I was delighted and upset. I stopped. I stopped and asked a young young lad, like ten or eleven or twelve or something, if there was a shop open. But I asked him in Irish. He answered me in Irish. The only problem was it was a boiling hot day and there was no shop open and I had no water. So that was the, the answer <laughs> I got was was bad news. But it was I was it lifted my heart that he gave it to me in Irish. It's <laughs> just. I'm going to talk a wee bit about the the situation of the language in the north of Ireland. Um, it, it it kind of makes the news um, in some some good ways and some bad ways. Um, yeah. We've seen you know politicians you know childishly make fun of the language in Stormont, um, but then on, on the flip side of that, we've also seen you know the positive examples of people like Linda Irvine and, and promoting the language. We've seen. Uh, well, this is this is what I feel actually that, that it seems mm-hmm. to be popular and people send their kids there. It seems, uh, Irish medium schools seem to be very popular, yeah. um, but there's also the current situation and the, the kind of Irish language act. How, how do you see the the language in, in the north? Yeah, I mean it's obviously like so many things in the north. It's so uh, it's, uh, it's what's that? It's a difficult question, or it's just like inflamed opinions on it. It's, it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, look, it's, it's, um, like I'll try and be positive. So, like, just literally today on Facebook, I saw a brilliant wee video from, um, uh, Gail School, a uh, niece school in the Shoulder, so the uh, Irish language nursery. That uh, I think Linda Irvine and her group were involved in, in setting up, um, that they're expanding for uh, 2022 and, and even still places are limited. Um, so, obviously, you know, some, uh, it wasn't really any subject you could talk about in the North is so tied up in identity and identity politics. And the language has ended up, obviously, I suppose you could say, obviously, in that. But, um, just to take it back a bit for people, you know, there was an, an academic study done, um, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, looking at the um, this 1911 census. And there was as many, the same population, same percentage of Irish language speakers in the in the Shankill ward as there was, I don't know if ward is the right word, but as there was in the Round of Falls. And they were more or less as, not quite as purely Catholic and purely Protestant as they are now, but not that far off you know wasn't you know protestants have played a huge role um in the in the uh the gaelic revival like douglas hyde 
himself son of a Methodist uh, uh, minister from from Roscommon. Um, so obviously, this this it's so so the act Mugahilaga. So so basically, I suppose people have been booking. It was in the Good Friday Agreement that there would be, but not sort of hardened. That's maybe one of the problems. Was was maybe it was sort of there was wiggle room there, but there was talk of the of a you know Irish language legislation or protections, um, and obviously that hadn't happened. But sure, you know, as anyone remembers, like took years for the, even the executive to get off the ground. Um, but then it was explicitly put in, very explicitly put in, in um, the St. Andrews Agreement in was it January 2007, you know, and it was going to be based on Welsh legis- the, the Welsh language legislation. I mean, that's the thing you see that really blows my mind, you know. So, so, so what this is talking about is, I suppose it's protection for for the language and it's people's ability to use it. And um, specifically, I wouldn't be actively discriminated against. It's uh, it's mentioned that like one of the last penal laws, I think it is the last penal law, is that you can't use the Irish language in in a court of law in in, in the north. And that does come from that's that is on the statute books, supposedly from the from penal times. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Um, this is the thing that sort of blows my mind. Obviously, sort of the, the unionist mindset is that was it Belfast is as British as Basildon or whatever, or Bristol or Birmingham, or whatever. And yet, you know, in Scotland there's a there's a Gaelic language act. In Wales there's a and Gaelic is in Scotland. And we see signs for it in our train stations and mm-hmm. Falchuk, Glasgow, and different things. And if you go up near Open, it's on the the road signs and everything like that. And obviously, you know, obviously, roasters give out about that. But sure, anyway, um, uh, obviously in well in Wales, it's 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 a massive part of their culture and signs and every it's everywhere. And my nephew works for the Welsh government and everything. You know, documentation has to be produced in in the Welsh language. Uh, any documentation is produced in the Welsh language. And those places are presumably. I mean, they're Welsh, they're Scottish, but they're on the island of Britain. So I presume the, the units would see them as British. Um, so uh, there's, it's, 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 I guess it's, it's, the, as they see it, I suppose it's some sort of a, I know, a Sinn Féin Republican thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, uh, Sinn Féin and uh, people of a Republican or nationalist background are, are much more likely to be found here, um, supportive of the uh, of the Irish language, but that's mm-hmm. they don't have a the language doesn't belong to 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 anyone, you know. So so the so the act so that so so that's more sort of random thoughts on it but the the legislation itself so that's that's been just constantly put denied 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 um they try and link it in with uh ulster scots which um is such a, a 
you know, if Irish is, is somewhat of a niche, but it's not really, but it's grown all the time, but also Scots is such a, such a thing, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that again was really, and I, I think there's, there's certainly an Ulster Scots heritage uh, in the North, no doubt about that, but as a language, you know, they sort of hijacked it. I think there's people who are really def- sure that there's definitely people who are um, very sincere about it, but I think it, it's been hijacked mm-hmm. um, just because if, well, if you're getting it for the Irish language and we have to get it for our thing, yeah, and I don't even know what their thing is, sort of, this is, you know, there's definitely people who are, you know, involved in that, but in that, in that, in, in Ulster Scots and things like that, but that's it's it's very small compared to Irish, and um, huge work has been done in the north, despite you know, in spite of um, uh, you know, the, the so many feelings against it from from those in authority. Um, massive work has been done. It's an interesting thing is 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 to compare it with attitudes, maybe. Of some people in the south, because we've been sort of we sort of spoon-fed the language in a weird way, with as just as a school language, but it's everywhere around us. I think we're complacent about it. Whereas people in the north have had to fight for any recognition or any chance to use it, and it's amazing energy within the Irish language community in the north. Um, if that could spread to the re- honestly, if that could spread to the rest of the country, I think that would. Being a huge game changer. I think people that's for me to to to, to it was really um, was an eye opener to be amongst the the, the Irish language community in, in Belfast. I did a as a week long course, Skull McCracken, normally at the end of July. I'd recommend it for anyone. It's incredibly cheap and it's amazing, great crack and uh, crack in Belfast but and, and like I was in Belfast for a week and apart from the lads at the Chinese takeaway and the bus drivers they barely spoke a word of English you know um, so it, it, but but trying to get any sort of re- recognition official recognition of protections with the Irish Language Act and even what's proposed now some of the new decade new approach document that was signed last year finally finally it was like okay they had, they said right we'll do it and again and again this obstruction from 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 the DUP um and and the latest thing is is for anyone who doesn't know is that um eventually even the Tories have got have had enough and said that if if Stormont didn't bring in the uh, legislation before end of September that they would they would table it in Westminster and that hasn't happened yet, mm-hmm. um, but people might have seen in the in the column in the, in the my column in the Voice that there's uh, been uh, and I suppose it's an ongoing mm-hmm. um, campaign to for people to write to their MPs here to put pressure on um, their their MPs to to, to get this um, so that so that the, they actually will stick to it. Sure. They're still saying they're going to, but then nothing's happened now. And now we're in at the end of the year. Um, but it's, it has cross-party support in, uh, in, like I say, even the Conservatives are 
are, are, are in certainly the government, it's government policy. Um, it, it's kind of kind of daft that, that that that's the way it has to. That's the way it's going to have to be put in. And obviously, there's a there is a sort of a, it's a bit of an oxymoron that we're looking for Westminster to uh, bring in legislation in Ireland. But um, I suppose it's if if it's if it if it if it if it if it brings in the, the, the positive changes and it's it's actually they're still against the DP and and the actual legislation as 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 planned is is actually really very mild and sort of watered down even it's it's just like there's not there's no there's no compulsion on on anyone and um, they always talk about that that they're that like they're going to be somehow stopped speaking English or have to speak. It's just, yeah. it's just the weirdest. It's very hard to get your head around yeah. the, uh, the, and I, I really feel for the people who, uh, who, who uh, you know, the people have been, huge work has gone into campaigning for the Irish language in the North. But like I say, the people, uh, the community there, Irish language community there are so energized and it's brilliant to see and it's 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 going to get there eventually but it shouldn't shouldn't have been this uh this long but if anyone's listening and you know they can find the i think the template letter on the coming the gaelic glasgow website um to download and send it our mp because the legislation still hasn't come up i saw was it yesterday jeremy corbyn put up something on facebook or twitter yeah basically Supporting the campaign to to you know calling for the the legislation to be brought forward, sure. so Keep our fingers hopefully <laughs> eventually. Yeah, gee, I mean it's just just it's a waste of everyone's time and energy to be so. Uh, it's just a language, and and there is you know there's orange lodges that have and certainly that had you know slogans like banners. In, in Irish, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's just, uh, for me, it's just, it's just, it's just so, such a weird mindset to be so against. I yeah. mean, I get it, I suppose, in some ways, but it's just, and I've, you know, read articles from people from a this background just saying, you know, it's sort of brought up to to just fear it as a sort of another uh, thing that's sort of against them but it's just yeah like I say it's just ridiculous but ho- hopefully and even the legislation that comes in like I say it's not it's not, not, not mind-blowing but it will be a huge step for some you know actual recognition in the north finally for for the Irish language and um, it's only going to continue to grow it's you know the amount of, the amount of people who are or learning it, adults and, and kids is, is just growing and growing. So, yeah, um, you know, even if the legislation doesn't come in, they won't stop it. I mean, no, no, you can't. You know. uh, yeah. We should point out because we, we're just speaking about her because we know her, but um, just as a wee point of order, Linda Irvine is a fluent Irish speaker. She is an Irish language teacher from East Belfast from a unionist background, and she is the sister in law of the late David Irvine who was a PUP 
politician and also a former member of the UVF. So that's who Linda Irvine is. You should, um, if you're listening to this, you should go and check out some stories about her. She's quite an impressive, impressive person. Oh, yeah. 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 And I think it's worth pointing out that my understanding is the start of her journey towards the Irish language was that she found out that there was people in her background who had Irish. And then she was like, how come this was, how come I've never heard about this or this part of my heritage has sort of been hidden or taken away almost? You know? Yeah. I could be wrong with that, but that's my understanding of how she got into it. And you, t- you actually touched on it there, but. Um... What is the kind of situation like for, for the Irish language island-wide? And does the Gale talk still have um, a great deal of importance with regards to growing the language? Yeah, I mean, that's that's um, that's that's a massive, massive worry is that um, is I, I think in the last maybe 15 or 20 years that there's been a huge growth in uh, the Gael schools, the Gael Colossus, so first level and second level Irish language schools, particularly primary schools, and it's a bit of a problem that there's not enough sort of second level ones for them to go into. Mm. But um, like when I was a when I was a kid, I there was very and even then going into you know but I, you know you wouldn't have heard of anyone going to a very there was a couple of Irish language schools and. In, in Dublin, they'd be well known, but that was it, you know, secondary schools. Um, but now, like, there's there's so many. They're 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 growing all the time, and they have a real. Even the south, they've there's, there's it's a real uh, battle to to get them get them open um, for for families. Um, but uh, and so people see that, I suppose, and TG Cahar has come in, and it's. People would say it's made the language cool, and the the weather forecasters, male and female. If you ever see a lineup of the TG Car weather forecasters, you think it's some sort of I don't know supermodel lineup or something. <laughs> they're all they're, they're all the male and the women are all these, you know, uh, all these. This, it's it's like a joke. It's basically it's it's like a stereotype, like if um, uh, in a good way. Um, but you know, it's it's obviously it has. It's, it's I mean, TG Carr is is amazing. I recommend even if you're yeah. not interested in in the language, the, the, the level of program and documentary, particularly about Irish uh, Irish history, mm-hmm. on there is incredible. Fantastic, yeah. Oh, it's 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 brilliant. But um, so there's so there's, so there's all positive things, and uh, and I think, well, the and in urban settings, probably the language is. It, this just positive things happen in, in urban settings, but the the state of like it's probably through probably throughout the world. It, I suppose it's in rural communities. There's a huge issues around you know economy in rural areas, and I suppose depopulation and um and that you know, there are huge issues in rural areas. And then on top of that, in Celtic areas, then that impacts the um, the strength of the language. And I suppose there's some fairly alarming reports have been done about, you know, the state of the language in the Gaeltocks in currently, and then the sort of 
direction of travel of where that might be in, in even 10, 20, 30 years time. Um, and I suppose a lot of people would say is well, without the Gale Talks then this, that's, or without strong Gale Talks, it's a huge, huge body blow to, to the sort of Irish language. Um, and it's, 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 I think it's, it's the analysis in Scotland as well, a little bit between sort of learners and um, people from outside, you know, maybe the islands and our Gaelic speaking areas, same in Ireland. I think because it's things are so hard and they can be a little bit almost like of of, of rivalry and people seeing like, oh, there's too much emphasis on new learners and oh, you're saying, oh, things are going great because there's a new Gales, new primary school, lawyers language primary school in Dublin, but like there's a crisis going on here in, in, in the Gale Talk regions and I don't think it's a case of worry that we're it's not a zero sum game. I think that yeah. that that uh, but it's it's a, it's a real problem. It's a it's a, it's a it's a it is a, it's I my understanding from what I read about it is that you know that 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 it's that it's that it's definitely uh, a big worry. What I would say is one thing, and this people could laugh at me for saying this, but I say now I reckon. Because we all do Irish at school, nearly everyone does Irish school in the, in the South anyway, that basically probably 90% of the population in the South is a month or a couple of months away from, with a bit of work, being able to have small talk chats in Irish. You know? Yeah. We, I think we see this, this that's what I felt when I just went, went back to it was, all the stuff was, you know, that's, it's nice, actually, it's a nice feeling as well that those 12 years in school learning Irish work and actually, which felt, which I think a lot of people resent because they feel like it's a waste of time. So much of it is 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 there. We're, we're, we're really, it can be really frustrating to think of that we're, we're close. We're just so close to, with even small steps that can, I think, like everyone in Irish, Everyone in Ireland, if you said Gormagut for thank you or, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, Kamaleshkail, uh, excuse me, the hall or Moshe, the hall, for please, everyone understands those. Kunasatatu, Kujimaratatu, everyone understands those in Ireland. Um, you know, we just start using those. We start using our Irish place names. Mm-hmm. You know, just small things that people... And then bit by bit by bit, I, no, look, that's not a that's not a strategy, but it's a, a personal thing that yeah. um, it, it, we can all we can we can all do, and I just think it 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 helps sort of maybe flip the switch in us because I think that's the thing is we there's a there's a gap between us as Irish people and our and our language. Like I had, I definitely had that, you know. My experience of it was as the as the, as the subject in school, it wasn't a positive experience, and and that's I think the vast majority of people I think you'll talk to, who grew up in the in the south, it probably wasn't a, a, a positive experience, and probably for a lot of people a lot, a lot less positive even than mine, um, and uh, there's, there's just there's just there's just 
there's a gap there, but I don't think the gap is as big as sometimes we think it is. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that. It's almost, but but the 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 the, the state of the Gale talks is 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 uh, is is, uh, is is a worry. Yeah, no, for definite, it's 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 a worry. But I think that's probably true. in, like I say, this issues around rural communities is is is, is issues all over the world. And but the, the, so I suppose the Gale talks have the the extra, you know, they're the, they're the, I suppose the, what the people describe as sort of like the soil in which the, the language sort of grows. And um, if we, you know, for if we lose those, it's, that's something that you sort of can't, you can't get back. Um, so that, that, that's a worry. Like on the other side, like I say, there's loads of positive things happening, but, but, um, yeah. There could be, there needs to be something done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Evan, in, in your columns, you've you've previously mentioned uh, kind of Irish language authors and, and things like that. What, what are some of the Irish language authors or, and, and maybe musicians that you, you would recommend? Well, uh, in terms of musicians, I'd say, well, there's a brilliant band from, well, I think someone from, they're from all over, Galway and Dublin, all, uh, called Imle, I-M-L-E, Father. Um, I think they have a new album coming out, so it's sort of they combine um, some traditional elements, sort of I suppose you'd say rock guitar elements, and even a wee bit of of sort of rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how that comes across that description, <laughs> but actually they're a they're a brilliant band. We've had them in, in Glasgow a couple of times um, for the gigs we would have put on during Celtic Connections. Um, <laughs> and I'm not I'm not a massive rap fan, but there's a, a new young band from uh, I'm not new anymore called um, Kneecap from Belfast, who I don't think it's unfair to say are three reprobates from, <laughs> from Belfast. Um, they don't I don't think they they don't they don't hide that they I'm not even, not even sure they are reprobates, but they certainly put themselves across as reprobates, and uh, this. Absolutely brilliant, and they've. Uh, that's I don't know that's news to people in Glasgow because uh, I've been to see them twice in Glasgow, and both times it was sold out, and it was the first time it was in a small venue. Uh, was it the, the, the G the attic in the garage? And even oh, yeah. still, it was like 150 people there, and it, the place was heaving, and everyone was singing along, and I was standing at the back. I couldn't believe it. I was like, "How are how does, how does how did this many people in Glasgow know about this Irish language rap group? And then I saw them the first gig after, I think it was my first gig after, uh, first gig after lockdown was uh, a couple of months ago in this time in the in the main part of the garage. So three or 400 people, I don't know how many people, but it was, again, it was sold out and the place was heaving. And again, everyone's, singing along with the lyrics in Irish, I couldn't, it's, uh, yeah. Um, they're, they're very good in social media, I think, like, um, they posted pictures up of, of the Glasgow gig, and it did, they looked heaving, and uh, yeah, yeah. like I say, I, I wouldn't know half of the stuff that they're singing about, but uh, I think they definitely bring an energy to... to yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Yeah, like I say, it's not it's not so really... Uh, yeah, my sort of music, but Jesus, it's 
I do. Like, I like listening to them, and then particularly live, it's just a whole other. It's a. It is just a huge, and it is such, such a connection with the audience and all that. Yeah. Um. I, sh- I should probably pick up some traditional uh, singers. Um, the brilliant, brilliant. Um, Tony has. Tony has one album. It's on Spotify, but it's brilliant. Maya Nihalem. Um, and if anyone, I don't know if this is on Spotify, but there's a, they only put out one album, but it's like a, a, a choir from, or a singing group from uh, sort of Gidor, uh, Ash area, Corhave, Cor- Lehage, and they have an album called Sheen Sea, which is just incredible. And Dominic McGillivreach, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dominic, so he's, he's had a couple of albums himself. He's on an album with uh, Gregor Lowry, that Scottish Gaelic singer. Just amazing and good Donegal fella for all the Glasgow Donegal folk to you know a lot of the songs supposed to be from 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 Ulster would be Ulster songs you know just yeah brilliant uh, in terms of uh, writers I suppose um, I don't read as much in Irish as I I should do but anyone who I suppose anyone who's listening who has Irish is well, if they're not from Ulster, they might not, but Rohamore and Teal from Mickey McGowan is just, uh, and it's, 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 a, it's basically his story, it's a real story of, of him. And it's, it's actually in English, it's called, uh, I think the, the, the version was called The Long Road to the Klondike. Mm-hmm. And I think for anyone um, in Scotland, it would be really interesting because he talks about, you know, he was, it's back in the 1900s or the 19th century. So, you know, he would have gone on the lagging from Donegal, you know, going to the market fairs and being hired out to the, the lagging region and sort of East Derry, West Donegal to 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 from from the from from up near Gidor and working as a boy. And then he was really, you know, we think of the 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 guys coming over and Taddy Hogan incredibly hard. Well, you know, he describes in the in the in the book, how he's really looking forward to that because that's it's, this becomes like a big adventure. But he came over; he lived, he was doing that for a couple of years in Scotland. Then he goes over to America and goes on the mining for silver and then panning for gold. And it's just this incredible, incredible story. I, I still can't believe no one's made it into a into a into a film. But yeah, the long road to the Klondike or Rohamore on Tail, the big wheel of life is. That's the name of Mickey McGowan. Um, this, this, this one, if people haven't read it yet, 100% recommend. Fantastic. Just on that, actually, um, it's a film I haven't yet seen, but it's it's about the Great Hunger and it's in Irish. Uh, the name is escaping me at the minute. Arak. Uh, Arak. Yeah. Arak. Yeah. I want to try and watch that. Have you have you seen that film? Yeah. Yeah. It was basically. It, it, so we. So we, we went a group a group of about fifteen or twenty of us uh, went um, had a bit of a sort of a conversation group before it in the GFT um, literally a week before lockdown in March of of twenty twenty um, yeah amazing amazing like I mean an incredibly sort of that's what's say a tough watch but. Uh, brilliant as you know it's won i think it actually won the audience award at the it was part of the glasgow film festival shown that time mm-hmm. um it, and it's 
Yeah, brilliant. It was actually back in Glasgow, I think, about a month ago. Um, and I suppose it's just a pity that with lockdown and stuff, it's, 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 it's probably held it back a bit. But yeah, a brilliant, uh, a, a brilliant, brilliant film. Um, need to try and get hold of it because it's I've not seen it in widespread release, you know, like on a, no. a, Net, a Netflix platform or, or anything like that or an RT player. No. It's, it's, yeah. Which is a shame because I think, you know, those sort of films when they go to a wider audience are, I think they open people's eyes who maybe didn't realise the kind of situation. Like things like, uh, obviously, Black 47 was maybe in the same sort of vein. Um and I took my big sister thought shit and she was a uh, she was spitting feathers during the film. I had to had to tie her down pretty much. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's so good to yeah. give you a, a, a really good background in the Irish history. They're so well done, like a lot of these films. Uh, yeah. More and more are coming out. And that's that's one that I've definitely I've I've got on the list um to watch at some point. I'll try and get a, a copy by Hooker Crook. Um so I have I talked to someone in our classes there recently and I was ashamed to say I haven't actually seen Black 47 yet I bought a copy of it <laughs> in Ireland but I lent it to our myself and my brother here bought it then we lent it to our other brother and we haven't got it back so yeah that's but I yeah I really want to see that and, no, um, you, you would enjoy it definitely yeah yeah no for, for definitely yeah yeah and like I said there's so much both both drama and documentaries on and it's all free like on the TG Car player yeah tg4.ie or .tv I couldn't recommend it enough to people I think it was a brilliant one Bus, Bus Glasgow that uh, Helena Michalahar yeah. did about, uh, about bus from the Donegal bus from, from the Gorbals to the <laughs> door and to, to Gael talk that amazing yeah it's amazing stuff, you know? I yeah. think as well was it was Irish TV where uh, Famous Irish speaker Darrell Breen cut his teeth as well, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was, I think I remember seeing him was on Jonathan Ross or something you can see it on YouTube where basically they showed a clip of him. It was basically like a, an Irish language Philip Schofield back in the day. <laughs> so like in, in a cupboard with a pop with a sock puppet or something, something like that. Anyway, it could be, I might be doing him a disservice, but yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a fluent speaker, yeah. And that's the interesting thing is, is that that's the other thing is is that so many so many people are, but you mightn't know it. Yeah. You know, that's the and our our people have enough. Sure, I've even had, I mean <laughs> one of my not favourite, but one of the things I remember, I remember being in a something in the in the consulate in Edinburgh and someone a woman came up to me who was involved in some group or something in Edinburgh, and she said to me in Irish, you know, oh Neil Gaelic or B Yagum. Something like basically said in Irish, I've no Irish. <laughs> I just started laughing, you know. Yeah, because yeah, we, 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 <laughs> well, the thing is, is I'd say the amount of Irish that a lot of people have, if we had the, if we had that much in German or French or something, we'd probably be quite excited to uh to use it and to talk to you know, if we met a French person or German person, it's just it's just it's sort of like a change of mindset. It's it's, it's it's quite. I mean, it's quite it's quite um, funny when I'm editing your column and things like that. There will be words that I'm starting to become familiar with because I'll see them a lot, 
uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you, there's obviously easy ones like Agus and stuff like that, and things that yeah. uh, connectors and things like that. But but just doing that, like um, sometimes I'll be in it and people say to me, "Oh, what are you doing?" I was like, "Oh, I'm editing the Irish column." And they're like, "How can you do that?" And I'm like, "With great difficulty, but uh, I try." <laughs> <laughs> I try, and I'm, I'm, you know, you can pick up wee words just from kind of from reading through it and things like that. It's just. Uh, like you, the languages are meant to be spoken, so it's, it's it's different from reading something and knowing that there's a word for something and then pronouncing it. It's kind of totally different. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that's what I was going to say earlier on. I, I kind of missed it. You've obviously been doing a lot of classes on Zoom. Uh, do you find that's been a kind of help or a hindrance in terms of? No, it's been a, it's 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 been a massive help. It's been so much more positive than. Then I I was I was worried about I think we all were we were worried about how it would go, um, and then in particular it was one thing sort of there was a break of a few weeks, and then we you know the classes restarted on Zoom that had been in person last March, but I suppose that was with people who who already knew each other from the classes. But I remember when we were starting then in September, and I remember in September I suppose we all thought that be back in person but we were in september but when we started in in september and it was totally new people there was uh i definitely was thinking on how will it work with people who don't know each other but actually the the sort of um the bit of crack and sort of social element that you want in the in the classes um has definitely been there which is brilliant you know um probably helped a wee bit in that you know, in a class then where you put people off speaking in, in pairs in a classroom, it can sometimes almost be a bit of a cacophony because everyone's sort of in a, in a classroom, they're in different corners, but they're still talking at the same time. Whereas on Zoom, you send people into breakout rooms. Yeah. So they can probably have a bit of chat and find out about each, each other a bit more sort of almost openly. They're not self-conscious about other people overhearing them and stuff like that. So um, it's it's been... It's, I think it's been really, there's been a really, it's been a really positive thing um, in a lot of ways. Um, and also, some of our classes, we've even had people from Canada and America joining in. And we had uh, another thing we did was we did some, um, we did some of our quizzes on Zoom. We did uh, some of our, I think I was, definitely wasn't sure how it would go, but our, you know, our cush tenor sort of Kaylee type traditional Kaylee type events where people come together and sing songs and dance and play music. So obviously there was no dancing, but um it was great music from you know like the St. James the Great Branch and the minstrels and all the brilliant Kyoto's musicians we have in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. But great singers as well and a bit of storytelling and poetry even but um brilliant how well it went. But one of the times uh through a sort of someone who's a member here, they gave a shout out. They they got in touch with our, their 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 friend in America. So we had this girl from America calling in from I don't know Highway seventy four or something like this between Wisconsin and North Carolina. She was in she was in the car with all her family going on some sort of a holiday or a trip or something, and she was singing to to all these people who were on Zoom and in Glasgow, and it was. It was, it was brilliant, but it was just, so that was sort of a, uh, so there's been some really lovely things and the, 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 the Edinburgh conversation group now, there's 
people have been able to join in from from all sorts of places and so there's been loads of positive things but obviously everyone knows it's it's uh, you know we want it we're hoping that you know the plan certainly was we had it all set up to go back in the new year and we'll see we'll see but, uh, but it's been it's been a lot more positive than i thought it might be I just on that, I know that things are subject to change, but um, we'll wrap this up by you know seeing if there's uh, classes and events, any classes and events you'd want to promote um, for the year coming ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so our, our our class are due to start back on. Um, so we've classes for adults on Fridays and Tuesdays, so they're due to start back. Um, separate classes, like they're not, it's not two classes a week type thing, but well, sometimes people go to two. More than welcome, but. Um, to start back in uh, Governor Labour Centre in Daisy Street on Friday the 7th of January. At the moment, obviously, that's, uh, we're not, I mean, who can tell, but I, I don't know, it's, it's difficult to know with the, with the new rules. And then our annual St. Bridget's Night, Iha Vriad Cayley, which has always been a, a big event in the sort of Irish cultural calendar in, in, in Glasgow, uh, should take place on the Saturday night, the 22nd of February, that's 22nd of January, sorry, um, in Price the King Hall on Carmonic Road in Glasgow, um, where it's been for years. And that's always uh, a brilliant night. Uh, fingers crossed that's, that's going ahead. Um, so that's, that's the main thing. And then obviously we'll have a bunch of things happen in March, sort of coinciding with obviously the Glasgow Battery Festival also, the start of March is what what's known as Shocked in Mabailaga, um, which means the week of Irish should actually last now for from the first till the seventeenth of March, but it's just that sort of time of year we're particularly put on uh, taster sessions and different Irish language uh, workshops, but also uh, normally do a, a a concert with a singer over from from Ireland and maybe a Scottish Gaelic singer as well, um, and some music. So. Excellent. So yeah, so it's the start of classes on the seventh and the St. Bridges Night Cayley in Price the King on the on Saturday the twenty second of January, subject to Yeah, obviously yeah. to everything is our own lives are subject to restrictions or whatever the government says. But uh, fingers crossed uh, you know what I would be hopeful for is well one, we know anyway if, if the classes don't happen in person, we'll be back, we'll be on Zoom. We should probably suit some people but and then I'd be very hopeful that if 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 we do have to we can't have the same bridge night in the 22nd that I'm much more hopeful this year that it'll be a case of postponing it uh, than f- if it's even a month or something so I guess rather people, than cancelled you know yeah people should probably just keep an eye on the, the website for any yeah website and the f- yeah. Facebook page yeah. yeah yeah so fingers 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 crossed yeah um, but yeah, and then for anyone with anyone with kids, were, we we were hoping that our our, our kids, our culture club for kids, would restart in the new year as well. We'll see how that goes, and yeah. and please, that we'll be able to do our kids summer camp yeah. in, in, at the end of the, at the end of June, start of July. Surely, we'll be able to do that. So uh, yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. So those couple of things are, are fingers crossed happening in, in, in January. Uh, yeah, that's great. So, Evan, thanks very much for your time. Um, and I guess the, the only thing is to, to wish you and your family is it Nolik Shona? Is that am I saying it right? Nolik Hona. Nolik Hona. 
Another Connor. Okay, another Connor. Okay, another Connor. Yeah, my who? My who? Grenada Migot. Grenada Migot. Thanks a million. Thanks. Great to talk to you, man. Cheers.